0: Welcome to the commercial real estate investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Baldrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we started this interview with Victor Menage, and we learned what is a stranded asset and gave a couple of examples on how to find opportunities in stranded assets. And in this episode, we're going to continue part two of our interview with Victor and review how do you go about creating value out of nothing? And we dig deeper into how to look for stranded assets and how to narrow your focus and pick the right opportunities to work on. Here we go. How about the real estate? Do you have any thoughts there? Because there will be a ton of... um restaurants that will be vacant?
1: Those will probably fall in the category of distressed first. Okay. And I think we need to wait a little longer, probably another 12, 18 months before we see where the floor of this market's ultimately going to be. If you were to buy that now, you're going to pay too much. Mm -hmm. Sure. You're going to pay too much. So I would wait. Now, the restaurants that survive, the ones that flourish, because the industry is going to shrink the ones that truly survive are going to be busier than you can ever imagine once this is all over.
0: Exactly. I've been telling people it will be an incredible time to open a restaurant if you have a good good food.
1: If you have good food, if you have the guts to do it. But what's going to happen is, of course, the pandemic is accelerating trends that were already underway. Delivery takeout, whether it's with any of the delivery services like Uber Eats or Grubhub or any of the you know, countless others, you know, they're starting to do well but it's the restaurant themselves that if you really want to gear the kitchen towards solving that problem. In fact, Travis Kalanick, who was the founder of Uber, has a new business. He just took in a very large venture capital investment from Saudi Arabia to do ghost kitchens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of that money is to fund the purchase of these kitchens. Now, I don't think you need to go out and spend money on a brand new kitchen. There's going to be a gazillion of them available for pennies on the dollar in the fire sale market. So I think that's the opportunity to take these things, put them together and get back into business with a new opportunity for a very, very small amount of money. And in many cases, you might be able to strike a deal. And this is the the thing that's different about a stranded asset and very distinct from a distressed asset. When you have a distressed asset, the only option usually is to purchase the distressed asset. With a stranded asset, it's stranded, it's stuck. Maybe you can lease it, maybe you can borrow it, maybe you can strike a deal. So you can often take advantage of stranded assets with much more negotiating, much more negotiating leverage than you can a distressed asset.
0: So how do you go about thinking when you look at a property? What's your thought process of figuring out how Can I add value to this and create something out of nothing?
1: Whenever I look at a property, I'm always thinking in terms of highest and best use. I'm looking to see what are all of the assets. I'm looking at zoning. I'm looking at what zoning has been approved around it or across the street, around the corner, to see if there's any precedent for changing the zoning on that particular property. The zoning is always what is the property right now. It's not what it could be in the future. So... If it was a corner store, well, it zoned commercial for a corner store. But if across the street there's a 20-story building, chances are good you might get it rezoned for a 20-story building. So you got to look to see what else has been done in the area. And then you got to look at what other assets are there. I mean, one of my favorites is uh, something called conservation easements. There is a, a tax regulation called IRC 170H that allows you to donate piece of land to conservation in perpetuity. And in exchange for that, you get a tax deduction, not what you paid for it, but for its value according to its highest and best use. Now, remember, this property has to have real wilderness conservation value. You're not going to take a parking lot in Pittsburgh and return it to wilderness ever. (laughs) Um, It's got to be something that has real legitimate conservation value. But imagine it's got Um, minerals underneath it. Maybe it's got oil. What if you could get a tax deduction? You could say, you know, it's got a nice lake on it. I'm going to donate this to conservation. It's got to be donated to a 501c3 land trust. And then you get a tax deduction for the oil that you never pump. Mm
0: -hmm. Is this in the US entirely? Or the entire
1: country? I mean, the rules vary by jurisdiction, but the But what I'm describing here are U.S. regulations. And there there are consulting firms that specialize in conservation easements on how to get that charitable donation deduction. And then you can sell that deduction as a separate asset. So you might have, I don't know, 200 acres. You might sell 100 of them to conservation, get the tax deduction for the conservation easement. Now you have an entity that has monetary value. That tax deduction has monetary value. That's worth something to somebody might not be worth something to you, but you might be able to sell that at a discount. There's all kinds of different ways of looking at things. you think about a corporation. Imagine there's a corporation that had a tax loss in its history. The company's not bankrupt. It's just dormant. That tax deduction, that carry forward tax deduction from that prior loss is a stranded asset. Now, I'm not an accountant. You're not, I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to say, well, Victor said, I'm not an accountant. You've got to seek your own tax advice. But imagine you could buy that company for its value as a tax loss. That's a stranded asset. Wow. They're everywhere. They're literally everywhere. Here's another one. You do know, like this. So Hertz rent a car is in bankruptcy right now. They have about 700,000 vehicles. Now, the way those vehicles are financed is they set up subsidiary companies that lease the vehicles to Hertz, and those subsidiary companies uh, do bond offerings, and they sell those bonds as secured as securitized uh, loans into pension funds and all kinds of different things like that. Now, the reason they're in bankruptcy is they didn't come to terms with the bondholders. Of course, their the business is down 95% much like the airline industry, and so they're in bankruptcy. Now, if you want to get cars from Hertz, that's going to be a distressed asset because you're going to be dealing with a bankruptcy judge, and the only pathway there is to purchase the vehicles. But you got a whole bunch of other rental car companies that are not in bankruptcy. You could go to Avis or Budget or National. Those vehicles are sitting on the lot depreciating, And they're stranded assets. They're not distressed yet because those companies are not in bankruptcy. What if you went to Avis and said, you know what? I'm going to take all of your white vehicles off of your hands for the next six months. I'm going to put a vinyl wrap on the door and I'm going to run a delivery service for supermarkets. My minimum commitment to Mm -hmm. you is to lease those cars for six months. It's a stranded asset. You can strike a deal that you could never strike in any other environment.
0: Absolutely. And there are opportunities right now everywhere. I agree with you. And so when you are so aware of all of these possibilities, <laughs> some people may get paralysis analysis, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, I can do anything and everything. How do you pick which ones to take on, and also maybe how do you even organize your day? Because I'm sure you could literally spend your entire day looking at possibilities, right?
1: Absolutely. So it's I really view the world as an all-you-can-eat buffet of opportunity. There's way more than you could possibly ever digest. And if you've ever been to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you know that you can get indigestion in a hurry. So you've <laughs> got to be selective, right? <laughs> You've got to be selective. You, say, you know what? I'm going to pass on dessert. It's a matter of choosing what's right for you. I'm looking at an opportunity right now, for example, in our market, there's a shortage of industrial land, and there's, a, there's an acute need for contractors, builders, to store building materials, a place where they can put down a half dozen sea can containers, and they can store lumber. If they can get a deal on building materials, whether it's siding or lumber, anything that You know, it's going to be in short supply that they need over the next eight, 10, 12 months, because we're definitely in a supply chain constrained environment. Uh, They need that space. So I'm in the middle of striking a deal right now with a landowner who has some land they don't know what to do with. Probably not even going to buy the land. I'll probably end up just leasing it and then put security fence around it, put down some SECAN containers and provide secure access and, you know, lease out these spots to different builders. As an outdoor storage facility, it doesn't have to be climate control. They can drive in, you know, with their trucks and trailers and load up. And I'm solving a business problem for a very, very low startup cost. We already have business partners that are in a very similar space. So the leap for me to run that business, it's a very, very small thing for me to take that on. I'm not really starting a new business it fits with something that we already have. So you got to ask yourself, is it in your wheelhouse? Do you have the team that can run it? Because you don't want to run it yourself. That's called a job. Right. Right. So, you know, we're, we're investors, we're business owners, we're business leaders. So you got to be able to put these businesses together so that they run sustainably by themselves uh, with the right team running it. And so that that's the key because all these businesses are active businesses. Who's ultimately going to run it? That's the key question. And if you can't find the talent, the expertise to run it, then you don't really have an opportunity because it doesn't matter how good the deal is. If you have the wrong people in it, they're going to screw it up.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a process of how you go about your day? Let's say Mondays you look at deals, Tuesdays you determine which ones you might want to call and find out more, how does that work for you?
1: I wish it was that structured. It's not, (laughs) (laughs) it would work better if it did. But, (laughs) you know, these things come in when they come in and you look at them, you try and give a quick no, if you can, Uh, I don't spend too much time looking at things. If If there's too many moving parts, if there's too much risk of it coming together, then we'll pass on it and pass on it very quickly. Uh, okay. so we will look at it, uh, but we'll pass on it very quickly. The, the other ones, then we'll get with the team and we'll see, you know, how would we put this together? Um, they literally come in every day of the week. So we have to dispatch them fairly quickly. And some of them have a gestation period. So they take a little while to put together. Sometimes they come together quickly in a matter of weeks. Sometimes they take months to come together. So you have multiple of these running in parallel, and some of them will die, some of them will get consummated, and all of these projects have a life cycle. Usually, in our case, the life cycle is you know anywhere from six months to a couple of years. So because of that, you often end up juggling multiple things simultaneously, and one week you may focus almost full-time on a single project, and then while you're waiting for an approval and might have nothing happen on it for two months. So it's, it's pretty fluid. It's pretty dynamic. The key is to have people in your team that you can draw upon to get things done when they need to get done. And that really is the key. Uh, Otherwise you're going to be multitasking. You're going to make a few millimeters of progress on 10 things every day, which means you'll get nothing done. Uh, So, You have to have folks in your team that you can give primary responsibility to a particular project and running it to completion. And uh, that is their number one.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else that you think is important for our audience to know?
1: you really want to look at you, you want to look at the environment and just see these things everywhere now the beauty about stranded assets is because there's so few people looking for them you're not competing there's no auction for stranded assets so it you get to create and synthesize these opportunities simply by being observant by being curious and it often means putting together sometimes two or three stranded assets uh, that are maybe in in separate places And when you do, then you can put something together. It's just a different way of looking at the world.
0: Wow. As always, Victor, you provide such great content. How can our listeners get in touch with you?
1: Love to connect with your listeners, uh, certainly through my website at victorjm.com. I'm the host of the Daily Real Estate Espresso podcast. Again, uh, through victorjm.com slash podcasts that's spelt the Italian way, like the Italian coffee. So real estate espresso, ESP or ESSO. And if they want to reach out to me directly uh, by email, they can connect with me at Victor at victorjm.com.
0: And I encourage everyone to listen to your podcast because it is super straightforward and to the point, similar to our model. And he provides very, very good content and value to your time. So Victor, thank you so much for joining us again for the second time and hopefully many more. I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you. Same to you.
0: If you are learning something from this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review on the podcast app. And if you know anyone who may be interested in learning more about commercial real estate investing, make sure to share this podcast with them and I will see you next time.